Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sophisticated Property Investing podcast with me, Frank Flake, and today we have Shane from Northern Ireland. Shane, welcome, sir. Good to be here, Frank. Been waiting on this now for a week or so, so I'm sitting sort of with anticipation to hear how it goes or see how it goes you know <laughs> excellent excellent now Shane I want to um, cover quite a lot in this podcast with you because you've had a remarkable journey in EPP over there in Northern Ireland to date but last week I spent a couple of days training you guys with Ian Jackson your um, MFA over there and Matthew Jackson his son and we stumbled upon the discussion about surnames. So you're McDermott, aren't you? Is that your surname, Shane? Have I got that right? That's right. That's right. Yes, McDermott. I'm fascinated by this because for those listeners, and of course we have listeners in Northern Ireland and, and, and the Republic of Ireland, but we also have listeners all over the world. You were saying that some of the franchisees get better responses to their marketing in Protestant areas and some of them get better responses to their marketing in Catholic areas because of their surnames and I just find that amazing and and we were talking about maybe you should like deliver leaflets in each other's areas just to get a better response rate w- which camp does McDermott fit into is that uh, one or the other would be a Catholic name you know without doubt I, I know it, it, it you find this intriguing I suppose when you really delve into it it is intriguing but it would be sort of like a par for the course here in Northern Ireland really you know everyone sort of seems to comply with that you know or, or sort of concur with that you know it's just not out of the ordinary really as expected please don't think I'm making light of it I'm absolutely not I appreciate it's very deep rooted but it does present us with a a challenge and b an opportunity doesn't it and that's what I'm I'm from a purely business and a marketing and a sales perspective I think it's a fascinating dynamic and one and you you were mentioning I think you might have even said it that my frankness uh, excuse the pun when discussing it you said we would never talk about this so openly or so bluntly as you, as you do Frank but it's just a, a thing isn't it you know it's it's um for example we've we've had it in Leicester one of our um competitors will not sell franchises in Leicester we did because we backed ourselves and we have one franchisee in in Leicester but oh my goodness it's hard she was saying why is it so hard and my take on it I don't know this but my take on it is that there's a very large Asian community in Leicester and I think that culturally our sales process doesn't fit particularly well with an Asian approach to buying and selling houses and that's not anything negative about how uh, Asian people sell or buy houses it's not anything negative or positive about how the EPP system works it's just that the two don't gel and uh, I have some really funny stories like I I was I was saying to this franchisee now she's made it work because she's now investing in non-ethnic areas and that sounds really racist and we're not racist at all but you put your money where you get results and she wasn't getting results in Asian areas and I was like we can solve this and we have to an extent like we have done deals with Asian people but very very few to the extent that you know it's it's hard to justify the marketing spend and what we noticed was the approach is just completely different so they don't want to talk numbers on the phone they're like let me you you come out and and, and see my house and they want to sell their house to you and and obviously I'm stereotyping but this is based on my experience and they want 
to break bread with you and they want to, you know, have a bite to eat or a snack that they've cooked for you and they want to give you a drink and they want to get to know you, which is great because we want to build rapport as well. But then they want to negotiate down from market value. And, and also because they've worked so hard, they would often, not always, they want the money to stay within the community and not go to an outside investor from another part of the country. So, yeah, I do find it fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Just out of interest, that was a week ago. Have any of you decided to alter your marketing at all or do you think it's going to stay the way it is? Me personally speaking, I don't know. I can't say anything for the other lads, but uh, marketing that I have done in the past is working for me. The areas I am in, I haven't encountered any major problems with it. You, You will get that sort of division so in the bigger the more populated city areas if you know what i'm saying my areas there's a division it definitely is division there's no two ways about it you get that all over northern ireland but i don't see a problem with it so far that i would need to change anything if you know what i'm saying so maybe the other guys they're they saying there seems to be a couple of them that are getting sort of conflicting results with the same type of marketing so there's there's maybe maybe a, a conversation to be had on that front you know but personally speaking i think so far so good with me anyway you know excellent excellent and if it's not broken let's not fix it eh? <laughs> excellent so shane i want to kick off and we've got quite a lot to cover um i want to talk about your results i want to talk about how you've managed to grow your EPP business and your property business alongside your existing business. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the leverage you've introduced. You know, you've brought on staff to free you up from your day job so that you can invest in your property empire, if we call it that. But I'd like to kick off by asking you, what experience did you have before you got involved in EPP? Prior to EPP directly, um, I had been Tinkering in property, it was really a, a small part-time aspect of what I do. I'd always been self-employed. I'd never really ever worked for anyone in any capacity over my life, and I'd always done my own thing. Um, one of the concepts was property per se, and I, I, I jumped into it knowing absolutely nothing back in about 2014-2015. Well, when I say knowing nothing, you know, basically all I had was my wits if you know what I'm saying so how did how did sort of negotiate there's a lot to be said for that a lot to be said for that (laughs) and I managed to buy a wee house in the same area that I'm working at at the moment actually it was local to me really I managed to to buy it for at the time it was completely wrecked it was 17 and a half thousand for two bed mid terrace the ceiling had fallen through in the back garden the amount of work when I look back on it the amount of work that the house needed doing was colossal but at the time I couldn't see anything that couldn't be fixed I'm a fairly practical thinking person you know I've always sort of fixed a lot of things I've worked a lot um, I'm from a farming background actually and and you know you have a, a mech doing manned attitude you know you never throw anything away do you as a farmer well that's it yeah for sure it'll come in useful sometime <laughs> it, was the, it was always the theory you know so like there was nothing that fazed me with the house looking back on it and in comparison to what i would take on now um i do realize the the extent of the work that needed done to it but cut a long story short it took me a year basically from i bought it till i actually managed to get it renovated and sold i was on a massive budget to do that i hadn't a penny to bloom and do it up whenever i bought it i did it all on credit cards and, and and credit accounts with some of the merchants and stuff like that so it was a push to get it sold down before christmas time um, of 2014 we finally got the money in just about a week before christmas which was such a relief because there was a lot of guys waiting on me to call with them <laughs> 
you know. So we, we got it done. That first deal, I think I, I managed to net about 10 grand out of it, which was absolutely fantastic. It was it was wonderful to get that from it. I knew that my whole year hadn't been wasted doing that project, you know. Now, I must say it was part-time, you know. It was only whenever I could get a few hours free, I would take a scoot down and do a bit more to the house. I did a lot of the work myself. It made a lot of mistakes, a horrendous amount of mistakes, but we got it over the line, made a few pounds on it. It wanted to go back into it. But was so afraid to go back to it because of the effort that I put in to getting where I got to and the stuff that went out of my control when it went to legals, when you were dealing with tradesmen and stuff like that, you know. So in, in one respect, loved the whole project, but I was afraid to go back to it because I was afraid of falling foul of all that again and it overrunning and things. So I let things sit for a while. Um, when you say legals, so did some of the tradesmen commence legal proceedings because of um you know having to wait for their money and stuff oh no no nothing like that when we made the deal the solicitors that were representing the the, the first owner uh, the person i bought off the vendor yeah. they just dragged their heels and went on and on forever it's fascinating isn't it on one hand you're over the moon because you'd made 10 grand on a flip which is brilliant you know and only doing it part-time it's a side hustle you know not bad to to earn 10 grand on a side hustle but on the other hand then you look at that deal now and you think oh my goodness i'd never take that on now so it's almost you know pat on the back for taking action but in the same breath yeah you definitely want the next one to be better and i have to say it's a stepping stone to where you are now isn't it because if you hadn't done that if you hadn't taken action you might not have backed yourself to come into EPP. So yeah, fascinating. So what was next for you? So that was eight years ago. Yeah, so we got that out of the way. I, as I said, I learned an awful lot from that and it sort of went on the, the back foot for a wee while. Um, so after about a year and a half, two years then, uh, I started looking at the property game again, thinking that there had to be more opportunities. And as was at that point then, I started looking online about stuff and we started realizing that, my goodness, there was actually network meetings around property. And, and it was the first time I I'd ever even realized that there was such a thing. Cut a long story short, I started going to a few of those and started watching YouTube videos. I met Ian, actually, I met Ian Jackson in, in the network meetings and through a casual conversation one day, he invited me to call down, have a chat, and he introduced me to the EPP business model. And I said, my goodness, this could be something for me. I had a bit of spare time at that time, uh, and it just was going to fit me lovely to do that. And that's where that's there was that initial meeting with, with Ian that sort of spawned the, the EPP journey. You know, I think that was in February 20 that we signed up for it then, you know. Yeah, so that's, that's when you first um, became a partner. So February 20, so that's... 28 months is that right have I got that right uh yeah that'll be about right yeah yeah oh the memories so I can remember first it was um 2007 I uh, was around the time of handing in my notice as a secondary school teacher and I discovered like these forums online and I can uh, remember um singing pig did you ever so this is obviously seven years before you I bet do you remember singing pig at all? No, it, no, no. that was long gone. The guy went bankrupt. I think that had that. And then there was Vidisha Properties. I can't remember the guy's name. And he ran a networking event in Leicester, which is miles from where I was in Nottingham, where it felt like miles at the time. And I had, and this is so funny how your perspectives change. I had a purple Nissan Micra. I had it with, with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, we weren't married, but we'd had it since university. And we called it the grape because it was before Nissan Micros looked cool. You know, it looked really not very cool. It was like a big bubble car. I remember I drove down to Leicester in this uh, purple grape. The guy that was running it, 
had a personalized number plate and a Jag. I don't even think it was that expensive a Jaguar, but it was a Jag, uh, like a like a uh, an old fashioned one. Um, and I remember looking at this Jaguar and going, "Oh my goodness, I can't wait to have a car like that." You know, I, I, I wish I was successful enough to have a nice car uh, and a personalized number plate. And I can remember buying that car as a thousand quid, thinking, "How on earth do people save up?" You know. £50,000 to buy a uh, car or £100,000. It was just like a different world to me, not realizing that everyone put it, <laughs> a lot of people put them on credit. But, um, oh, the memories. And I went into that networking meeting and was in, in awe of people that had three or four properties. Yeah, cool. what a blast from the past that was, matey. So you met Ian Jackson at a networking meeting and sat down with him. And what was it about EPP that attracted you? First and foremost was the backup and uh, the fact that it was Northern Ireland based as well because Ian had taken on the master franchise obviously for Northern Ireland at the time and everything else that we had dealt with, even in the network meetings, we had a lot of people from your side of the water there coming over and doing their information speeches and stuff like that at the meetings and it was all very, very good. Definitely, definitely a lot of learning at them but the, the, the problem was no matter what way you, you bend it or shape it, a lot of the regulations over here don't fit the mix over there so there's a lot of different differences and a lot of stuff didn't apply here um that they, they talked about so this was the first sort of like northern ireland based thing that i thought would actually work for me plus the fact that i had kind of had met ian before and i kind of got to know that well this guy knows what he's talking about you know sort of so he started to explain the whole concept with it to me and i understood what he was talking about and the fact that there was a bit of backup and there was someone from northern ireland who knew the system and could work in a like a supportive environment around the the property industry in northern ireland which was it was one of the big things that uh, sort of jumped out at me was the the fact that you had local support with local knowledge and some of the strategies and the different methods that epp were using that was one of the other things too that in the build-up to this when i started going to the network meetings i was just basically walking in there basic buy refurb and sell concept and that was it. I didn't realize anything else about any of the other strategies that were available. And whenever I started to learn about these different strategies, it became more confusing than ever. The EPP sort of strategy was to basically pick one or two particular strategies that's really working. And they also had the TDIC turn discount into a cash flow was one of the big things for me to be able to actually avail of that. Um, that, that was amazing to be able to have the opportunity to do that as well. So again, I keep going back to the support side of it because I speak to lots and lots of people who have went on lots of extremely expensive courses across the world, for that matter. And the one thing that always comes back is the fact that once they leave those conference halls, they come back to Northern Ireland and they're on their own nearly, you know, so there's no one there. So um, you had this family almost, if you want to call it, building itself in Northern Ireland and I could see the potential behind that. So I jumped on board and it was something that I really, really wanted to do, you know. Fantastic. I like I like the phrase, having your family, your Northern Ireland family there, all on the same journey, all doing sophisticated property deals. Having Ian, who has invested a lot of time and a lot of money, um, alongside myself you know to tailor the epp system to 
Northern Ireland and and that's what we do in other countries as well that's what we've done for Australia that's what we've done for even Wales is slightly different to England not massively but a bit different but having that focus that Northern Ireland focus I think is a a massive difference because there are real differences aren't there you know the number of lenders the way your land registry works you know it's not electronic your land registry it's still paper-based isn't it which yeah um, so so many different things the land registry mm. is the big thing for us here because it's so hard like you know when you guys be talking about sourcing for, for deals and, and, and valuations of properties and things like that on you just go on to land registry for a few pounds and you get the value the val, the actual sales history of a house and we're going where does it there's nobody in here can get a hold of this only a solicitor like you know and we're our sender says you know this is this is amazing and, and to be honest with you the solicitors are a bit frustrated too they know the fact that the, the english system and the uk system is adva- far more advanced than it is here and they can get frustrated as well with a lot of stuff you know so um it's not just the ordinary property source or the ordinary sort of uh, property guy that's that's frustrated with his professionals or two you know hmm. makes sense makes sense great stuff so am i right in saying when you came on to epp 28 months ago you had your own home and you had uh, or your farm and you'd flipped one buy to let but actually owned no properties of your own is that right we owned about to let in Armagh uh, it was our first home that we had bought when we got married uh, and you hung on to that yeah we, we had we actually didn't <laughs> to hold on to it to be totally honest with you we were building a new house um, where I am at the moment and at the time we had sold the house in town in Armagh and we had got a colossal amount of money um, for it it was just in 2006 at the peak of the market that's the uh, Celtic tiger for you yeah yeah for sure um and we were we were rubbing our hands thinking was we bought the wee house for 36 grand and it was valued at 156 and we were we were offered 154 for it so he says wow what yeah. um what period of time was that we bought it in uh, 97 wow so that was in nine years it <laughs> nearly tripled in value 30 something to 150 something oh my goodness that's amazing um in nine years right so you sold oh this is interesting and how did you get it back <laughs> The next door neighbour had always wanted our house. It was a wee end of terrace with a garage and a sunroom and all. It was a lovely wee place. It was actually right on the edge of the town too. So we had fields either side of us at the side and at the back. Um, and our next door neighbour was chomping at the bit to get it. And he managed to get a deal with um, the co-ownership organisation to buy the house. The surveyors came out, did their work and went back to the legals for approval co-ownership announced that they had ran out of money this guy couldn't buy the house but he was willing to stay on at that price and the whole time house prices were dropping and it was just coming down every single month it would come down about five grand or eight grand and in fairness he held on for about four or five months at that price to get the house co-ownership just never came up with the money i think it was nearly almost two years before they got back going again in northern ireland yeah and by that stage obviously the bottom had dropped out of everything so we held on to the house. Uh, we didn't sell it. We rented it out and turned it into a buy to let. We changed the mortgage over on one thing and another. So um, that's how we were sort of accidental landlords to start off with, you know. But yeah. it never occurred to me at that stage, as I say, that was 2006. And I was like eight, 10 years before I ever did anything in property per se, because uh, we rented the house out. It was on a repayment mortgage and it basically more or less just wiped its face. We weren't making any money on it, you know. It was just... yeah. The rental was more or less paying the costs and that was it. And we were happy enough at that, you know. So we just let it sit there and we had great tenants. We never had any problems with them. So um, believe it or not, we we're making our last payment on it in August of this year. So, oh, are you? So you now own it outright. So I have, I have a question for you, Shane. So 
It was 30-something, and it went up to 154 in nine years. What did it drop down to? For people that are worried about property prices dropping, this is what has happened in the UK in living memory. You know, we're only talking about 2006, which is what, 16 years ago. So um, what did it then drop to? Couldn't tell you exactly what the lowest price it would have been at, but I remember getting it valued at 65 so it was less than 50% of what it was valued. Um, and that was yeah. about two years later, did you say? No, th- that was the price we were offered. We were offered 156, so we had agreed 156, or sorry, 154 for it. You see, things moved so fast here at that stage. They were, they were literally moving by the week. There was a valuer came out and valued it and basically said to me, Shane, he says, the way things are going, you can get 190,000 for that in a couple of weeks. So that was when it was still going up. Yeah, yeah. yeah things were going absolutely crazy at that stage. Mm. But I didn't believe him. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think you were right. <laughs> I think you were right not to believe him. God, you very nearly sold right at the top of the market then, very nearly, didn't you? But well done for hanging on to it. Excellent. So tell us, what have you achieved in the last 28 months? So you had one buy to let coming in 28 months ago. What have your highlights of your uh, results been? What have you done? The- the massive highlight was, believe it or not, after we started the first element of marketing, whole marketing concept that you learn was completely alien to me. Flyers, postcards, ads and papers, blah, blah, blah. You know, I got my first flyers printed out and was unable to get a distributor to do it as soon as I wanted it to do it. So I commandeered my son and his mates. They were in um, upper sixth in, in, in school for an extra few pounds. Um, basically, they were going to deliver a few leaflets. So they went out and in fairness to them, now they did, they worked hard, they got them all out. But they were only out an hour and I got my first phone call. So that's so a, a really fast person who's really focused can do on, on a terraced street. Well, to be fair, mixed housing, actually. So semi-detached ter- terraces, etc., can do about 100 an hour. 100 an hour is a good rate. So for you to get a phone call within the first hour is amazing. They must have only delivered a couple hundred uh, leaflets. Yeah, couldn't believe it. Rang the lads up that were different and it was top of the world. I said, keep it up. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. We're getting responses. You know, it, it, I didn't expect it. That's the total, total honesty. I, I didn't expect to get any sort of response at all. I just see we're sucking it and see here and see what way it pans out, you know. But no, that, that was amazing. That, that, that was just a complete eye opener for me. And he says, all of a sudden, Everything fell into place and says, wow, this actually works. To cut a long story short, after that, we started, uh, we got a professional guy to deliver the, the, the flyers for us. And uh, two months later, believe it or not, we actually managed to secure a deal in April, at the end of April, which was about two months afterwards. That, um, and that went through okay. It, sorry, I shouldn't say it went through okay. It didn't go through. It went through with a lot of hassle. <laughs> it was a massive, massive learning curve. Uh, trying to uh, just juggle on all the balls, you know. Um, we're really learning every step of the game the whole way through, you know. That, that was the first one, obviously. And I was obviously on, on the guidance that I had got, you know, up to that point, you know, which was only two months previous, you know. So there was quite there was quite a few responses coming in from the marketing, and there was there was a lot of refusals, an awful lot of refusals. In the first year then, I suppose, uh, for the first 12 months, I managed to get four deals over the line. Three of them were from investors, for flipped to investors, and they kept two. Two of them went to investors, and then for the next six months then, there was another three deals came in after that. One of those kept, and another uh, two flipped to investors as well. So 
after that first period of about 18 months, I have uh, retained two deals of my own and uh, flipped five to investors. So just on those flips, how much cash has that brought in net? There's about 75,000 cash over the course of those deals. Come so 75k in. cash, how much equity is in the retained ones and how much cash does that bring in a month cash flow? Yeah, about 120 equity. In the two that's retained and cash flow about 700 a month. That's amazing. So 120 grand equity and 700 quid a month and 75k in the bank. That's brilliant out, out of your first 28 months, your first two and a bit years. The 75k actual cash came from the deals now. In fairness, I did use part of that to purchase one of the houses that I have. Oh, okay. So that made up part of your deposit and, and is included in the 120k equity, is it? Well, no, it was actually bought outright for cash. And then I just refinanced then about about six or eight months afterwards. At the time, I was unable to, to, to get the mortgage through for it. And the owner of the house was about to jack on the deal unless we went through for it. So basically, the cash came through from a couple of deals. It was sitting there and I put it into the house to, to basically save the deal, more or less, you know. So um, and, and refinanced then about six months afterwards, pulled the money out again. Actually, I pulled, I pulled every penny of it out because I bought the house at 42 and a half and I refinanced it at 65 so I pulled about 47, I pulled about an extra five or six thousand pounds. Hey, cash back in your first yeah. year. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'd say what, it's been a long time since I bought a house of 45. We were buying them in about 2009 at uh, 45, 50 in Nottingham, but uh, God, not for a little while now. Wow. That's impressive. Okay, great stuff. So I want to get down to time. That was one of the things that I chatted to Ian Jackson, your MFA, your, your master franchisee, before this interview to say, you know, what what is it that's special about Shane? He said that one of the things he respects most about you is the fact that you've had your own business. Just for the record, what, what does your your main business do, mate? The main business of a, a few pokers in the fire, but uh, the main business is a bulky waste collection service. Okay, so what you collect from like uh, companies and stuff, is that what you do? Yeah, all over. We're service provider for a couple of the biggest UK um, waste brokers. Ah, um, uh, okay. And you said a few other irons in the fire. What else do you do? We have got a, an allotment site. Uh, obviously, I said we're from, from farming background. I've got a farm at home now. We, we don't actually farm the land anymore. The farm's being rented out. But we try to utilize the land as best we could. And we opened up a, an allotment site about 10 years ago. So we allotment site running. And so is that where people rent a little patch to grow their own vegetables on? Yeah, that's it. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Ah, okay, so, um, cool. We're just on the edge of Armagh town. We're about a mile and a half out of the town, so it's convenient for people to come out from the town. You lease your farm out to someone who farms it, and then you rent some of your land as allotments. You've got your bulky waste business. Anything else going on? Yeah, we just last year, um, as an add-on to the allotments, the, we opened up a pop-up campsite. Ah, okay, yeah. It went tremendously well last year. So I bet it did. <laughs> Everyone yeah. was desperate to get out of their houses, weren't they? Yeah, what a good idea. So it, 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 it sort of inspired us then basically to move on a wee bit more and we expanded this year and we put in a new shower block and toilets and um, put in electric hookups and hard standing. So we have a sort of a fully functioning campsite there at the moment and sort of caravan park. So it, that literally is just going nicely at the moment. It has taken a lot of time and effort over the last, uh, since Christmas time to now really to get that going properly, you know, and it, it reflects on my property journey 
as a result, you know. So this last six months, I, my property has really, really fallen by the wayside, the, the amount of effort and time that I've been putting into it, you know. But I'm, I'm there now at the moment. That, that, that sort of leads me on to the time, when you're talking about the time sort of thing. I had a lot of problems, obviously, then too, with the, with the, the waste business where mechanical problems, staff problems, it was really, really stretching me to the limit. Uh, seven days a week it was just crazy it was it was driving me insane but um i put a lot of effort into recruiting a few good staff and that took a lot of time and a lot of effort to get it right a few bad apples before i got a couple of good guys so they're now settling well in and starting to free me up a wee bit so this last six eight months now have been a challenge to say the least you know when you look at seven properties in two years that's not earth shattering you know uh, by epp standards a lot of people would do that in in their first year um but when you then count all these other businesses <laughs> it becomes it becomes really impressive and so what about your own time mastery because we get this a lot from um EPP partners and I think it's something that entrepreneurs struggle with and we focus on you know you as much as we focus on your property business what difference has EPP made to how you approach time and approach your priorities Shane? Yeah that, that is one of the things that I got a lot from was um, like from your own teachings Frank on, on, on progress logs and, and planning and, and you know making sure that you're laying out your days and your weeks and your months ahead of you in such a respect that, that that's the most efficient way of doing that you know the whole concept of planning time management making sure that what i'm doing is the most effective thing for me to be doing every day it's only sort of now that i'm able to put that into practice because there's only so much you know whenever you've got commitments of certain types there's only so many things that you can delegate if you haven't got the staff to do that there is a lot of alternatives obviously we've learned about like with the vas and you know using to call your power team you know obviously when you've got a good solicitor or a good architect allowing those guys to, to do things for you you know and, and palming stuff off to those people that can do that for you and for your own time up you know so the whole planning as i said before is, is something that, that, that the pp really focus on and you personally obviously have a a real 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 handle on this and you know it's, it's really really good to see that uh, working you know whenever you do put it in place you know it's fascinating isn't it i think it's a journey that never stops shane i um i've just had a retreat i've just had a three-day retreat a personal retreat for myself and it's interesting i was looking at it going right how can i improve my time efficiency how can i improve my leverage how can i enjoy the journey more how can i be more productive and it never stops that focus on doing what needs to be done and doing it as well as you possibly can at the right time is it never ever stops and so to hear you say that that's made a massive difference is is really good Shane because it does make the difference you know it's I was looking at um Elon Musk I was looking at his launch video of the Tesla Roadster and like not only has he broken incredible barriers to become the first commercial company to launch people into space no organization other than governments have ever achieved it and he's just done it you know off his own back he's a self-made billionaire so he's done it you know from the start himself he's not you know had billions to start with so not only has he done that not only has he you know led the way with electric vehicles and you know um, range of vehicles and infrastructure for charging them uh, on our highways and across the world I was looking I can drive to my dad's house in rural Bulgaria 
with only charging at superchargers. <laughs> That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I get free supercharging on my car. So I, I, I wanted to do it as a laugh, drive to my dad's for, for free until I looked at how long it would take me. It take me about a week to get there and a week to get back. But anyway, you look at the Tesla Roadster, right? And it's a convertible electric sports car. It does 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds. That is the fastest ever production car. <laughs> and it's like, so he wants to put people on Mars. He's got the first commercial rocket organization in the world. He's got a you know, market leader, world leader in electric vehicles. He's only got 24 drops a day. And that it keeps bringing you back to, well, he just must be really efficient. He must really, really do a lot with his time. Tony Robbins says people underestimate what they can do in a decade and they massively underestimate what they can do in four decades because he has been teaching personal development for over 40 years now. I just couldn't agree more. So I'm delighted, Shane, that it's made that big an impact to you. And, and what, what does the future hold for you? Seven deals in 28 months, but now you've got some leverage. What, what are your goals for the next 12 months? I started out the year with great ambition and great um targets um my challenge was to to do 20 deals this year that would be a record no one's ever done 20 before yeah well it, it all fell flat in his face obviously with me <laughs> <laughs> as soon as the first <laughs> quarter was over <laughs> so uh, maybe i'm a glutton for punishment but i haven't changed that goal believe it or not uh, i keep just forwarding my plan across and updating it and, and it got six months left of this year um i'm off on holidays in a couple of days and i'm going to be back in about 10 days two weeks uh, hopefully refreshed, ready to kick off again. I, I'm in an awful lot better position than I was time-wise. Um, so it, I was just actually at a meeting this morning with the lads and I was just sort of saying, like, this is the first holiday I've actually went off on. I have, I have full-time help at home. It was like contingency was put in place all up to now, you know, just sort of enough to tide things over until I got back again. But this time around, I've got a, a few fellas there that I can actually trust to leave to run things when we're away. And um, so... I'm hoping for a good refreshing few days holidays, you know, so that I can sort of really switch off. I read some somewhere where some kid had said about their parents growing up had uh, run their own business and they never ever had a holiday where they could switch off completely because there was always phones ringing, there was always email and there was always stuff going on. So um, my kids obviously are the same. They've all seen that when we were away. So I have a lot of hope for this holiday. And going forward after that, the next six months, I have a massive amount of things to accomplish. Um, I know how to do it. I know what I have to put in place. I've done and run the numbers and everything. I know what I have to do with marketing wise um, and all the different strategies that I have to put in place to try and achieve that. It's just about to kick off. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see see what happens over the next six months. Good man. I think it was Einstein that said, if you can conceive of it, then you can achieve it. And uh, I couldn't agree more. Shane, I really appreciate you coming on, mate. I know your time's valuable and to invest it or donate it rather to everyone out there that wants to be inspired. I find your story inspirational. I 100% believe that you will achieve 20 deals in a year. That would be an EPP first, which would be amazing. And yeah, looking forward to walking beside you and helping you to achieve that, mate. So enjoy the sunshine. Have a fantastic break. I couldn't agree more. Your kids don't do as you tell them to. They do as they observe. You know, they mimic and, and emulate. And um, it's so important to show them that there's more to life than just work. So, Shane, best of luck, mate. I will look forward to seeing you soon. Have a fantastic holiday. Thanks once again. Thank you very much, Frank. I really enjoyed that. That's great. Thanks for, for giving me the opportunity as well to come on. Um, I, I really believe that if anyone gets the opportunity to do these things, they should. I was actually... 
didn't want to do it, but I knew it would be beneficial, so I just jumped on two feet and go for it. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.